you know, the discipline factor that we've definitely been getting on the past couple of few weeks. We're back! Welcome back to another episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. And I'm Hannah. And we are Fire the Cannon. All right. Well, today we are going to talk about the Texas presser with Tom Herman. Also, UT serves up a little barbecue. We're going to review the BU game. And we look forward to OSU and what Texas needs to do to come home with a win in Stillwater. So thank you for joining us. This is another episode of Fire the Cannon. All right. Welcome back, ladies. It's been a week since we've chatted, so we'll catch up. How are you doing? How's everything going? Hannah, how are you? I'm good. Um, I'm digging this weather. I don't know about y'all. No. But thank you. <laughs> for the record, listeners who don't know this, and I'm not shy about it, I am from the Panhandle. I'm an Amarillo girl. I'm used to the fall feeling like this. And so it has been a very welcome, wonderful thing for me. I like dressing up in cute sweaters and boots and stuff. So that's fun. I'm digging it. I just wish I had a fireplace in my new, but really old house. So <laughs> we it. had a fire yeah. last night. Right. Yeah. I spent the weekend, well, Sunday, chopping up a bunch of wood from a tree, a giant tree that we cut down uh, in the front yard and then trimming the rest of the trees on the property because they were getting wildly out of control. But I'm so happy about it because now I have actual proper firewood that I can fuel, you know, the fireplace. I'm loving it. And I, Rocky, look, I I can hear you rolling your eyes as we talk about cold weather. But honestly, like, I love this. I was born and raised in Austin. So Hannah, I don't have the panhandle thing that you do, but my family's all from Michigan. So I spent plenty of time up there. And also this is thick girl weather, y'all. This is cuddle weather. Like I'm good. I am built for this and I'm happy. I'm ready for it. And and, you know, my animals are going a little bananas too. Like as soon as the weather turns like that, I think I tweeted about Gabe's winter coat coming in. And sure Mm -hmm. enough, a week later we get a cold snap. Gabe is kicking his heels up and he's running around the pasture like a madman the dogs are having fun. I'm loving it. Like this, this is where I live. I thrive in this. But this is miserable. I had to sit outside <laughs> last night. The one night my daughter has to cheer at two back-to-back games and it's freezing. It's in the forties, but with sideways wind drizzle, it's like we're in a refrigerator. Those poor <laughs> cheer girls all have like little skirts and 900 sweaters. It was awful. They were freezing. Some of those girls just don't have enough meat on their bones to survive out there. That's it. We've just spent the week keeping our dog alive because she's a mess. My <laughs> I mean, poor dog. That and poor dog has been through so much. She, my poor she dog. An allergenic little bowling ball. Well, now she has autoimmune disease. Because <laughs> what do you do when your allergies don't make you miserable enough? You get other diseases. Anyway, yeah. she's surviving. She's still alive. Um, but I do have to say real quick, hi to Justin Simmons, who gave me a great movie recommendation. The Wrestler. I know it's a 100-year-old movie, like 10-year-old movie. But I needed a movie recommendation to write a paper. And it was perfect. Have y'all seen The Wrestler? Oh, yes. yes. 10 years 
Yeah, it's been a solid amount of 2008. time. 2008. And got an Oscar, by the way. Several Oscars, I think. I think it, like, swept the year that it came out. But, you yeah. know, welcome, welcome to 10 years ago, Rocky. We welcome you, know, you to 2010. Every movie everyone's watched, I've never seen. I haven't seen, seen it, so, I mean, it can't be. <laughs> okay, it's kind of like Million Dollar Baby, but with way more titties because Marissa, <laughs> Marissa Tomei and God, how, also she, hot, by the how way. does she look like this her whole life? She's stunning. <laughs> it's a comeback, kind of supposed to have been a comeback story, but there really okay. was no comeback. The, no, story with Mickey Rourke, which had, which had the yeah. also real life side story of his real life comeback, you know, to this world of yes. acting, which was a an interesting sideline to the movie is his own comeback. Hey, maybe this is a new segment that we do on the podcast is like reviewing movies that are five years or older. <laughs> like their new shit. I think, I, chances are I never saw it. So I like it. We're, I love that you talk about Megan like in my segment along with TV shows. Yes. <laughs> and you chances are I never saw that education. either. But Rocky, here's the deal. You could add the weekly like. Here's what happened on on court TV. Yes, <laughs> or, I'll tell you all about <laughs> Judge Jerry and, and Judge Judy. <laughs> Jerry's court or whatever. I tell you what I need is trash reality TV. Yeah, Rocky. I haven't watched like a live TV or honestly even network TV and probably God, it's it's been probably five years since I've watched network TV. I watched The Good Doctor, and that's yeah. pretty much it. The only thing I oh my this. god, it's so good! No, I'm I sure it's great. Thing. I've never seen it, but I won't watch it like on network TV. I have to stream it through the app later, oh, and I oh yeah, because I, I mean, yeah, the rep because I'm a binge watcher. I can't do this whole wait a week for an episode. <laughs> It just pisses me off. Yeah. Well, yeah. you'll be happy to know that Maury Povich is back and social distance style. So instead of the crowd that jumps around and screams, you're not the father. Ooh, yeah. And now Maury is alone in his studio with the two screens of people social distance from their home. The, the people who are trying to say you're not the father, they're sitting at home, like zooming into the Maury show. You know who else we caught up with this week? After a big win, well, a win. Hey, oh, listen, man. yay! Oh, we're happy, and we're gonna take it. Damn it! Oh, I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> so we caught up with Tom Herman uh, this week. He had his press conference. His yeah, personally, first game, we caught up game with him. Week. Yeah, we, we personally yeah, we caught up with him. And I made some recordings. No, we did not personally. <laughs> No, but he had a nice. press conference this week after his big win against Baylor. But first, let's talk about our game thoughts. Megan, we, we were at the game. Hannah, you watched the game. So what were you excited to see? What were you still confused about? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Uh, look, I'm a glasses half full kind of person. Uh, I have to be yeah, for being a Texas fan so long. So I'm going to go ahead and say this. The defense, and I don't think anybody can argue this, right. defense continues to show improvement game to game. So that's something I'm really encouraged by, right? Herman touched on it in his presser. You know, the defense is doing the things that they need to do. Yeah, we still had a few errors, but when we compare it to, I'm going to just disregard UTEP altogether, but when we compare it to Tech and Jesus, certainly TCU and a little bit OU, I'm seeing a progression, you know, and those early games, we saw some of our guys, especially in the secondary hips were out of alignment. They, the eyes weren't in the right place. We, we had a few silly mistakes that cost us big as far as our positioning went. And 
I feel like with the Baylor game, I feel like our defense has made those leaps and bounds improvements as far as secondary being where they need to be. You know, our guys hitting the blocks they're supposed to hit, staying home when they need to, and and hitting their assignments. Now, I will say on the defensive side, I definitely think we're still feeling that linebacker thinness, right? That's something that we're still struggling with. That screen is still killing us. That's something we need to get better about. But who was it? We saw a screen come through with Baylor, and one of our guys just literally said, I don't give a shit, busted through and broke up two defenders, or excuse me, two offensive players to break up the play behind the lane, line of scrimmage. Do you all know the particular play I'm talking about? I should have been more prepared. What, about when in the game was it? That would I would say third quarter. Was it Cook? I think it was Cook. He came in, he read the play exactly like it was supposed to be. He literally split that screen lit up and said, I don't give a shit. I'm going to hit the guy with the ball. And and that's, I, I'd like nice. to see, Yeah. I'd like to see more aggression like that. I think Rocky was on your side of the field. I know that for sure. We saw more. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> hey, you know, it's hard to watch the game when you're there. You know, you watch I'll tell more you, it, at home. It can be, that sounds silly, but it can be. It is hard to, because you know, the I, analysis. You can't stop and you. replay it real quick. You know, my dad and I are still real close. We talk all the time. And my dad literally uh, normally dad's at the game with me. This is the first, I've mentioned this before. This is the first season since I've been alive that my parents haven't been going to the home games because they've been, uh, you know, cautious about Corona. So it's kind of nice in this sense, because my dad does this for me with the away games, but he's now doing it from home games. He's watching at home and listening to the analysis and saying like, Hey, here's what happened. And I'll text him. Dad, was that, was that bullshit call from the big 12 ref? Really a bullshit call. This is what it looked like here. <laughs> And he'll respond. So that's that's a nice input. But yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize it's kind of hard to to pull in all the analysis and really see things for what they are as they're happening. That's why film matters and watching film constantly matters, right? Yeah. Like well, they were averaging about fifteen plus missed tackles a game. Um, Baylor was under 10, 9 or 10, depending on where you look. So that's a huge, huge improvement. That shows that they were either one first in the right position. They, and then they finished and made their tackle. One thing I was pleased about were the noticeable decrease in penalties. So we're like, well, and we can talk about the curse setter penalty in the fourth quarter all we want to. And we will probably get to that in a little we bit. Will. But <laughs> overall, overall, like we went from extremely sloppy and undisciplined, like five hour games because of these stupid calls. And, and who knows, maybe it had something to do with the refing crew also. I don't know. Yeah. I think that played who, who, for the most part, I have to say this. And Megan, like we had an intercourse. Let, er, inter- <laughs> Goodness, girl. We had an interchange. Like <laughs> even during the game on Twitter, because I made a comment about uh, the refs the the ref being like kind of decent. Like I had no qualms with it. And then of they course. They called a good game. Immediately. No, but the funny thing is, as soon as you tweeted that, boom, shit. It wasn't call. as soon as that. It was like targeting that they fair. immediately pulled up and looked. Well, they, they, did, was, they did get it right, though. So that's yeah, yeah, it was the targeting call. If I you're know. an officiating crew, this isn't a throw the flag and fuck it, let's figure it out later. You should see what you see and know the sport and know the rules. Yes, however, like, at a certain angle, it may have looked like something. Uh, so yeah, fortunately, I, I, fortunately, they got it right. And okay, yeah, yeah, eventually, yes, it was, I, and, and I will they agree. got it right. 
I will agree overall, the, the calling, the play calling, Hannah, you were spot on. The play calling was a lot better for this game for Texas. Yeah, there's, there's no question with that. Um, yeah, so going back to that, that maybe had something to do with it. But I feel overall, we played a lot more disciplined, a lot more clean. We didn't get ahead of ourselves. We didn't think too much outside of our own brains. I will commend our boys on that all day long. Like, because that basically cost us games, you know, the two games before, more or less, and almost cost us Texas Tech. So, like, that's a big It cost us OU for sure. I I think Uh, there's a question. Here's here's Uh, my question. You're talking about the play calling. So, um, at the end of Tech and OU, because they forced this run game that wasn't happening, and then boom, 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 tempo and passing and open it up and move everybody. And then everything starts going. So I know they're trying to establish, it looks like they're trying to establish a run game, but what is the identity of this offense? <laughs> I mean, we're, yeah, we're I, in year four. I know we have, we're year one with the new uh, offensive-minded coach. Yeah. What year one of your, well, game five of a, of a new OC and year four in an offensive minded coach. What is the offense, not specific schemes and patterns, but what is the offensive identity Sam Ellinger. of this team? <laughs> Sam Ellinger? Yeah. Like, no, I mean, I, yeah, Hannah, I agree with that. Sammy I, has put, put the team on his back a lot. And I, I'm going to say, again, glasses half full kind of person. I will say initially, yeah, you don't want to see your quarterback <laughs> as your leading rusher, right? You don't want to see your quarterback having to put the team on his shoulders in the fourth quarter. But I have to agree with Tom Herman with what he said in his presser. The stats don't necessarily tell the true story here. Right now, Texas is a running back. We've got a lot of tailbacks. We're running three tailbacks. And we're running, we're running back four. And we're running, well, with running backs, yeah. Yeah. But we're running, we have running back by committee right now, right? And so in that sense, and because, and Herman pointed this out, because college ball statisticians count scrambles and count sacks against just a general run total versus counting them as their own statistic, that does kind of skew it a little bit. So I have to take his side on that and saying, when you're running, when you're doing running back by commission and you've got three main rotations, you've got Ingram, you've got Bijan, you've got Rojo, right? These guys are splitting pretty evenly the carries. It is hard to say, it's hard to say, oh, well, our quarterback has the most running yards when you're not considering that we are running one position with three different guys. So in that sense, I, I have to agree with Tom where the stats don't necessarily tell the full story. Mm-hmm. That being said, it would be nice to see number one, our O-line dominate enough that we can make those holes that our guys deserve and can run through. And number two, that we find a leader in that running back core that says, fuck it, give me the rock. I'm going to take this and put this on my shoulders. I want to see what Sam is doing in the fourth quarter. I want to see a running back do for the whole game, right? Because we, we did, and, and your such said this at the beginning, we were going to be an up-tempo pass-first team. We saw that with UTEP. We got away from it a little bit with, with Texas Tech. Uh, and then I think we started to see a shift more towards a running game as we went on through the season. So – Rocky, to your initial question, I agree. We don't have a solid identity right now. I do feel 
we've got the players to make that happen. Um, let me ask y'all this. As far as running backs go, who do you think's RB1? Nobody. They're all good. They're all, they all have their own individual skill sets, but okay. I, I don't have Bichon. I'm going with Bijan. It's because, like, his – he's a true freshman. Feel like his momentum, like, his progression, like, of improvement has been more pronounced than Rojo or Keontae Ingram. And I'm not discounting them. We knew Bijan was special coming in. I can actually visually see it, like, the product on the field. So – they're all playing pretty evenly right now. Probably Keontae Ingram and Bijan being the front runner with Rojo. I was happy to see him. Uh, I mean, we're fortunate that we have three good running backs. Yeah. I mean, if his ceiling, I don't think anybody can argue that Bijan's there and like his progression, especially considering the offensive line issues that we've had. Like, yeah. He yeah. to be like pretty on par with what we were expecting. So there's my answer. So look, that's something you brought up the O-line, Hannah. And and look, as far as running backs go, I have to say, I appreciate the sacrifices that Rojo has made. I think he's yeah. a guy that can literally, you can put him in any position. You can put him in slot. You can put him outside. You can put him as running back. You can put him as quarterback. He's a football and this player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's a just a baller, period. So I appreciate him there. And I'll tell you the drive and the passion that I've seen from him, I love. I, I love that. I think Ingram recently has been running like a madman on a mission. I think Mm -hmm. his fumbles early uh, got to him. And again, I'm going to have to credit the coaches here. Mm -hmm. I think they got in his head and said, listen, man, hold on to the rock. And I think they worked with him. And I have seen a noticeable change with Ingram, how he holds the ball, where he's holding the ball, how he's protecting the rock. Right. Like, and I'm happy to see that. That's a, that's a step up that I wish would have happened sooner. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy to see now. Like, yeah. I, I think that's progress. Hannah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that Bijan just has that it factor uh, mm-hmm. in a way Something that else. we haven't seen in a running back since Jamal Charles, if I'm just going to say it. I, I think that Bijan just has that explosiveness that we haven't seen in a while. We've got to talk about the O-line. Right. I, I think but do that, we have to do we? Yeah, look, I, I have to talk about it. So here's the thing. Hold on, I need a drink. Yeah, right. <laughs> down, girls, because this Time is out. tough. We we all know this is tough to talk about. As many errors as special teams has had recently, inexcusable errors, I still think that the O line is the biggest hindrance to our team being successful that we are looking at. And, Absolutely. And, yeah, Hannah, no I no question. No yes. Question. Here's something that, so Herman mentioned in the presser, and this is probably the biggest thing that I disagreed with him on. He put the, the coverage and the ability to get open on our wideouts. And he said, you know, we have to get better with it. We did okay with tech. Um, we did, we did not do great with TCU Baylor. We saw improvement, but the thing that I saw was our wide receivers are running at a disadvantage and it doesn't matter our scheme because every team since honestly, since tech that we have gone up against knows that they don't have to send the house against our O-line. They can get pressure through our O-line sending a minimal amount of guys and dropping an extra dude back in coverage, which puts an extra man out in the secondary. I don't look at that and say, 
this is on our wide receivers not being able no, to get and it's open. it's not on Sam either. Or on Sam for holding yeah. the ball too long, which he's holding the ball too long. He is holding the ball too long, and he's that one hundred percent is double a coverage. That one hundred percent is a product of our O line not being strong enough and not being able to establish that run where they respect it. And Sammy doesn't have a viable option to kind of go against what I said earlier about your usage. <laughs> You know, talking about who we are with an identity, we've got to establish that run game. But in order to do that, we have to have the O-line that can open up those holes and at least make solid blocks for our guys to plow through. Well, how do you scheme out of that? You have quick throws. We have a quarterback that can make quick throws. That's what he did all in high school. Yes. Why, Why are we not scheming? quick throws when they are crowding the box, right? Because that's what Oklahoma State is going to do, and we'll get to that later. They are crowding the box. We have an O-line that can't hold up. Why are we not scheming for more quick outs? Absolutely. And this has kind of been the question for at least the last, well, 2019, and most of 2018, if we're being honest, is like, why does Texas, with the weapons that we have, have these weird, slow developing plays. Oh my goodness. You know what I mean? Like, this has been an issue. And even with a new OC, it continues to be an issue, which maybe inadvertently calls upon like the age old question of who's still calling the plays and does make you wonder. I I would believe Gersich is calling the plays. I have no reason to think he's not. Yeah, agree. Other than it's just a little too familiar, and that could be personnel, like on the O line. He's the an line experienced here. play caller. He's probably oh, yeah, not no. used to having an Obviously, offensive line that struggles line this much. At Ohio State, was light years above what our offensive line is, no question. So he's right. probably having to get creative. We're we're halfway through the season now. How do we pull it out and make it work? I guess it's just confusing when you don't have a strong commanding controlling offensive line, which is what you need to establish a power run game. When you don't have that, but you do have a sharp, quick thinking quarterback who can make lots of quick, and you have quick, fast receivers who can run the slant all day. Why are we forcing a run game that puts you struggling with three points in the first half? And then you open up the passing game and you're flying down the field. I don't, I just don't understand still why... Like, my favorite play, like, maybe of all, maybe not of all time. Jared Wiley. <laughs> Freaking wheel route. Yes. Utilize and we just talked about our running backs. Why don't we utilize that when necessary instead of trying to pull some, like, I hate sideward lateral freaking plays. Oh, my God. Bubble ago. screens. I, okay, look. Not even I was going to say that. Okay. Look, Texas fans are going to twitch when I say this, and we're going to have these flashbacks of – anger and rage but why aren't we running more bubble screens (laughs) for where we're at give me those short three and four and five yard gains i'll do that all day long versus throwing the long bomb on on a whim right like i understand trying to make some space to keep the defense honest a little bit i understand that thought process and taking shots downfield but everything like you said Hannah earlier everything comes back down to that O-line and I just I don't know where every unit I think offense and defense is getting better each week and I don't know where the O-line I don't feel like they're coming out and setting the tone for the offense so we mentioned this and I agree we haven't, and that's been a huge problem. Like, 
the old. I wish means, they would. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? That old that that old Kings of Comedy line and includes a word that I definitely can't say, but I wish a bleep would. <laughs> like, that's the difference, right? Like I wish they would come out and do this. I want to see the O-line come out angry. We have to talk about Cursetter, right? You brought it up earlier. We are going to talk about let You mentioned talk, him last let's week. Let's talk about Cursetter. Let's, let's talk about him. Hannah, is thoughts. he just passionate and putting a little too much because he just can't control himself? He's so proud to work to play. Or is he you know just what? undisciplined and out of control? I'm not sure, but I will say this. Let me say this. Here's the deal. I don't want to be one of those knee-jerk reaction fans, and so I'm trying to think about this and approach it pragmatically. He has an awful lot of penalties. Two! In opportune times. Two! Two! I'm talking about just Baylor. Like, I'm talking about period. I'm not talking about just Baylor either. I'm talking about penalties and inopportune times. And Rocky, I apologize. You're going to have to take my tone down on this. It's and two. two. And I agree. They are at the worst times possible. They killed but, drives, which killed Okay, points. here's they the deal. If your line is an issue, then you literally cannot afford penalties. And this is probably why I'm a more like, ain't like, like, mm, like I hold his penalties along with the rest of the line, to be fair, as being like so detrimental because we can't afford any mistakes from the line because that's the weak spot of the offense, much less the entire team. But I don't disagree that like we have got to nip this in the bud, but to the point it, with Baylor, we cut back on our penalties by 50%. That's a massive I, number. That was my first acknowledgement, by the way. My argument here is that I don't think that Kurt Setter is throwing out a multitude of shitty penalties, but he is making big penalties at key moments in the game. And, and I agree that has to be corrected, especially from a captain. There's no question. Right. But I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to say at this stage in this weird ass 2020 year where we haven't had the practice and we haven't had the team coming together and we've got all new coaches. I'm going to say, I would rather see a captain come out with too much passion and make silly mental mistakes because he's too hyped up versus what we saw on Sunday with the Cowboys where oh, Andy yeah. Bolton got his head fucking ripped off with a cheap shot and not one person came to his defense. Listen, if that's my quarterback, if that's Sammy on the ground and a hit comes in there, I want to see – 20 personal fouls. I want to see it from every dude on my offense, plus guys from the sideline coming in to defend my quarterback. So, yeah, I know those are two extremes, and, and I agree with you. We've got to address that getting shit in line, right? Like, calm it down, be a captain. Yeah, I didn't question his heart, his motive behind it. Like, I don't yeah. think it's necessarily – there's, there's going to be some rusty spots, and I'm just going to have to just – trust that the discipline aspect is part of it okay so like taquan graham today he talked to the media discipline is very much at uh, the topic of practices apparently in coaching they are hearing about it so even if um 
Coach, Coach Herman kind of brushes it off like, yeah, you know, we know. We, we can read between the lines. They're handling this shit in-house. All right, so here's Taquan Graham. They asked him in the press conference, why aren't they playing their A game? And his response was discipline issues. Uh, I feel like he said that because um, we're either playing really well on defense and we might start off slow on offense or vice versa. Uh, we might necessarily have been playing complimentary football throughout a, a full four quarters. So maybe that's why he said we haven't played our A game. And uh, maybe the cause of that is, you know, the discipline factor that we've definitely been getting on the past couple of few weeks. And we're just going to continue, you know, to put the work in and prepare for this game. All right. So why aren't they playing their A game? Discipline. They're beating themselves. You know what, though? But he identified that that wasn't a coaching issue. He said this is on the players. The coaches have been harping on it the whole time. This is where I wish that fans and boosters would listen. The team is unified, right? They're identifying. They're saying, listen, man, the coaches are telling us what we need to do. We just haven't been executing in games. That's a big difference from the Pers from the public perception that, oh, this is an undisciplined team. The coaches are have lost control. I don't buy into that at all. You listen to Graham's comments. You listen to Sam's comments. You listen to really any of our players that have you stepped up. Herman, the coaching is in place. Fundamentals and what they're talking about is in place. It's the execution. And again, I'm not going to put this on players and saying they're being sloppy, I'm going to say this is a result of a season that was cut six months short by a weird health circumstance, right? So perhaps I put too much weight on that. And I agree, Rocky, to your point earlier, we're five games in. There's no arguing there. But in a normal season, within five games, you see progression, right? But also in a normal season, you have six months of preparation and strength and conditioning and all other kinds of things that go into what happens before your first snap of your first game of the season. I agree. I wish we were more advanced. We shouldn't have lost to OU. There's no question. Shouldn't the have lost to TCU. There, oh my God. You were in a position to win both of those games and we didn't follow through. And from what I'm seeing, I'm seeing improvement. I'm seeing at some point, the players themselves have to be held accountable. Yeah, 100%. Right. I don't want a coach that's going to throw his players under the bus. No, no, yeah. absolutely not. Because that is like the biggest red flag that you can see. Okay. So let's talk about OSU, right? We've got that coming up. It's a big deal. I'm going to throw this question out here, ladies. As far as the most prolific Spencer in the Big 12, <laughs> has Texas played him yet? We're talking Spencer Sanders versus Spencer Rattler, right? Who's the better Spencer? Go. The one that handled four overtimes has a very good argument. We benched his ass in that game. But he won the game. That's what matters. Sort of. And again, we haven't played Sanders yet. No, I'm just saying we don't know yet. Hannah, you have some thoughts. I don't really have a say so far because we have not played both of them. Sanders has the record so far. 
maybe they haven't played the same teams that Texas has played or that, you know, Oklahoma has played or whatever. They're going into this game with a ton of momentum. Undefeated. And And ranked number six in the country. They had a really weird close call week one, but then they came out bawling. Props to them. Mm -hmm. Here's what's funny. Texas is only like the three-point underdog. Which means Vegas considers them even. I've got some thoughts on going to Stillwater. I will say, Tuquan Graham said one of the keys to the game is making sure that Sanders' passing lanes are not available and we keep them in the pocket. If you let this dude scramble and let him get out in, in the open, Texas is going to be in trouble. True. There's no question there. They understand that OSU is coming in as a, as a strong team a well-coached team. And look, he's got his team positioned where they need to be. I think this will be Texas's biggest test so far. Yes. So much for their divided locker room before the season, right? Yeah. Well, look, (laughs) again, Gundy has positioned his team the exact way he needed to. The chip's going to be the most complete team. And and the chips have fallen where they should. Now, granted, I don't think Baylor is going to challenge OSU, but they did have to postpone that game because of the sick bears. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I do think that this is Texas's biggest challenge to date. And I say that having played our biggest rival OU, I say that having lost to TCU with a Gary Patterson team that always seems to get up for Texas when we can't get up for them. At the beginning of the season, we talked about this. I called OSU as a dark horse for the Big 12. And I and called them we, the favorite. Yeah, and I think they're they're proving that. They're showing that they have the senior leadership. They have the experience. They have the advantage of having a coaching staff that they've been with for however long it is now. I mean, yeah. Gundy's what? His, I'm a man, I'm 40. That was damn near 10, 10 years, years ago. <laughs> this, that's an advantage that OSU has, and that's something that Texas could fucking learn in these particular times. Just jumping ship when you don't have the perfect season isn't necessarily the way to build a championship team. One thing that is like a little bit reassuring in a way is that David Allen, Doc Texas on Twitter, made note that Oklahoma State has not been the same on offense since uh, Versich left. Which is hopeful, right? That's that's hopeful. Now he's on our team, so hopefully (laughs) maybe we'll see some payoff from that. It is reassuring as far as like how productive their offense will be. I guess time will tell. We always have to worry about Chubba Hubbard. There's, there's no question. He is a fucking dude, and he is an NFL talent that is going to be successful for years to come. Yeah. I do agree, again, with Graham, that if we can keep Sanders contained, that helps. It, the defense, again, stepped up and has been really stiff against the run. Yeah. Now, we haven't faced a talent like Hubbard. And Wallace at wide receiver. Rocky, I agree. This is the biggest test that Texas has faced. There's a lot of things stacked against us, but this is when Tom Herman coached teams step up historically, do really well. They step up against these odds that they're not supposed to win. They're the underdog. This is a ranked team, pretty highly ranked. What are they at now? Ten? Six. So OSU is up there and Texas is unranked. That to me is the perfect setup for a Tom Herman coach team to come in and just wreck shop. We saw it at the Sugar Bowl. We saw it at the Alamo Bowl. I'd like to see that level of play more consistently at this point where we're at. I'll take it. Let's go in to Stillwater against the number six team 
and be coached up and play to the level that we know we're capable of. This week is the week to step up with Texas as an underdog, with, you know, Herman's back against the wall, with the team being questioned, with fans being just fucking awful, generally speaking, with donors breathing down their necks. This is the perfect setup to me for this Texas team to show up and actually do what we all know they're capable of doing. Time to do predictions. Like, do we think they're going to do that? Are we going to do it? I, I predicted at the beginning of the season there before when I thought Texas was going to go 11 and one, I said, this was going to be our loss. I have no reason to believe all of a sudden now when I was high on Texas in August, I have no reason to think now all of a sudden they're going to do something. I didn't even think they were going to do when I was high on them as much as I know they're three and one in Halloween and they're playing ranked teens and Tom Herman rises up against I just, if I had to put money on it, I would not pick Texas to cover the three loss. However, I hope they do. And I hope they win. <laughs> you had to bet one mortgage payment. what you got? Oh, God. You had to do that. You had to threaten my livelihood. <laughs> you had to bet one mortgage payment. Do they cover the three and, and do they win? I think they cover. The three? Yeah, I think they cover the three. Um, here's my prediction. I think it's going to go into overtime. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna call this. I'm gonna call I don't, I don't think it goes into overtime. I'm gonna say Texas by five. And that's how I see it. See this playing out in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I'm gonna say Texas wins by five. Wow. So we cover and we win by five. That's where I'm going. Again, I'm a goddamn ray of sunshine. You so. are. I'm gonna play what Tom Herman said, and then I want to phrase that into a question for you why you would pick Texas by five. Here, let me okay. pick what Tom Herman said about my rainbow. Oak, Oklahoma State's defense. Here we go. Uh, chaos up front. You know, they're, they're going to be in multiple fronts, multiple blitzes. I mean, they're, they're bringing free safeties and corners and nickels and strong safeties. And um, But the one theme is man coverage. You know, we're, we're going to have to defeat man coverage, something we've been a bit hit or miss uh, with our, our wide receivers uh, here in the last uh, few weeks. Did not... Uh, play to our standard against man coverage against Oklahoma uh, did a did a pretty good job uh, when Baylor chose to play man coverage which was not very often uh, but but did a pretty good job against Baylor but uh, those would be the two biggest things from a schematic point is they're gonna definitely outnumber the box you're gonna see you know uh, at times you're gonna look down there and before the ball snapped all 11 guys will be within five yards uh, of the ball is going to face a stack box with crazy schematic things that they're not used to seeing. What? Tell me, Megan, what's the key to defeating this really stout Oklahoma State defense? Listen, I think our fat boys up front are playing with some anger. They're embarrassed by their production. They are. They have a fire under their asses, and I think they show up. I think Captain Kirksetter. I can never say his last Kirk name. Stetter. Kirk Setter. Setter, yeah. Good job. I think Captain Kirk, don't easy you? for you. Captain say. Kirk. You know what? <laughs> I just call him Captain Kirk from here on out. Thank you, Hannah. He just like owns this. He runs it, and he says, "Look, we're not letting shit get through. We're gonna make sure that our quarterback isn't touched." I think they play with a vengeance, and I think we see Bijan Robinson. I hope we're listening. I think he gets the majority of the carries, and I think he plows through. 
and he establishes that run game where they have to respect in the secondary. I've, I've just got this weird feeling that our guys step up. We establish this solid run game that people haven't seen from Texas this year. And that opens up Josh Moore. That opens up Wiley. That opens up freaking Eagles to actually step up and be consistent. Eagles, step up and be consistent. You need to step up. It opens up Black. It opens up our guys in Jake Smith. It opens up our guys to have those options. If we establish that run and our O-line does enough job, if they're embarrassed enough and step up enough, we get the job done. So I'm going to say I'm solid with it. Even after that, I'm solid with it. It all boils down to the offensive line. They're going to have to like play damn near flawlessly and without penalties. So without penalties is key. Can they do it? I think that they're capable of doing that. I guess it depends if you are one of the people that think someone rises to the occasion or they fall to the level of their preparation. So I'm concerned that the O-line I'm never going to question their heart. I'm sure they want to so bad rise to the occasion. But if the coaching isn't preparing them to rise to that occasion, then we don't know like what the product is. But I hope, of course, horns up. I hope they go in there and we'll beat them by 30. I don't know. <laughs> and I agree. At least by five. It helps Four. that the crowd won't be there. So, I, yeah, that does help. Because, listen, I've traveled, and I will say, in the past, Stillwater has been one of my favorite Big 12 destinations. Nice. The fans have been cool. The atmosphere is crazy for a college football atmosphere. So, historically, the biggest comebacks that Texas football teams have ever had to come back yep. for a win have been against OSU. Yep. And I want to say that's five. I want to say that's position one, two, and maybe three. So, uh, again, Kyle, if you're listening, fact check me on that. I will say, historically, Stillwater has been a pleasant place to be. It's been a crazy atmosphere. The tailgating has been fun. I will say this, two years ago, it was a fucking shit show. And their fans were terrible. I set up two tents with some horns and music. But we were close to T. Boone Pickens because, you know what, y'all? I bought the parking pass. And I showed up early and I set up this incredible tailgate and it got to the point after the game when Oklahoma state won, it got to the point that state Oklahoma state troopers saw what we were going through and they came over to our tailgate and were like, Hey, do you want us to stay with you? And (laughs) no, the trooper literally asked me, do you want us to protect you while you're breaking down the tailgate? And I was like, honestly, sir, I'm not a bitch, but yeah, I do because the fans had gotten so toxic and so awful that legitimately I was fearful for our safety at that point. And there haven't been many places that I've felt that it disappoints me that that happened in Stillwater because again, I've had such great experiences there with fans and with friends. Like it has been a fun, historically it's been a fun place. Hopefully this year, with a reduced capacity, hopefully that will go back to the previous. Let's have a great time. Let's have an excellent atmosphere. This is like a, it's a trend when we're talking about like <laughs> rival places. You go initially and you have a great experience, but eventually they kind of turn on you or it's not necessarily you. It's just Texas. 
So does that kind of echo the whole thing of like, everybody hates Texas? Everyone's no, our rival. rival to everybody. Everybody like, hates Texas, there's no question. But I will say this, you know, Lubbock historically has been an awful place for me to go to. Well, but two years ago, they were incredible. And this year, they were decent. Outside of the game, they were fine. They were fine. In the game, they were like insufferable. But, they were but outside of the game, like they were fine. Let me let me put this out there. I saw something on a, a fan board this this week about a Texas fan giving a Baylor fan shit because they were cheering loudly. I reached out to this fan and I said, this Texas fan, and I said, hey, explain to me why these were, in your words, the worst fans ever. Why was this an awful experience for you as a Texas fan with Baylor people in front of you? Can you explain that? And they said, well, they were obnoxiously loud. So I'm going to let that just set in for a minute. And then I'm going to go ahead and respond. <laughs> I have been a Texas fan my whole life. I have traveled to a lot of away games for Texas. For Texas. I've been told by Texas fans at away games that I am too loud. Shit, I've been told at home games that I'm too loud and that I need to sit down and I shouldn't cheer as loudly as I do. And my response <laughs> to all of you fans, and I'm using air quotes when I say that, is fuck you. I'm going to say that emphatically. There is no point in going to a game, no matter what colors you're wearing or who you're cheering for, unless you're going to be loud and stand up for your team and be obnoxious and cheer. Now, look, I'm not saying be disrespectful. If you're talking shit and you're being rude and you're being disrespectful, that's a different ball of wax. But if what you're doing is standing up and cheering for your team and being loud and being supportive and people have a problem with that, you're being those people that have a problem, I don't care what color they're wearing, can shut the fuck up and sit the fuck down because you're not a real fan. If you have a problem with people standing up and cheering, then you just need to stay home and watch it from the safety and sanctity of your own safe <laughs> at home. And you can that be quiet be at home. For you. That will be better for you. Especially I'm just in the year of COVID, when we have to be as loud as five people. When people. There's only 15,000 in the stadium. So we need to be six or seven times as loud as we would normally be. Look, I was always raised to cheer for your team, not against the other team. I'm I've not going to waste I my don't. energy to talk shit about another team. But you, you're going to be damn sure I'm going to be there and I'm going to lose my voice and scream my head off in damn near pass out from how much I'm yelling to support my team. team. If you're a Longhorn fan and have a problem with that, or if you're a fan of an opposing team and have a problem with that, with Longhorn fans that are fussy about visiting fans that are doing the same thing. Even UTEP fans. That is what fan, the, the term fan. Fanatic. Fanatic. And fanatic means you are unreasonably passionate about the thing that you're supporting. I will never make an apology for my unreasonable support for my team. I'm going to be loud. I'm going to scream. I'm going to yell. I'm going to yeah. sing the songs. I'm going to cheer the cheers. I'm going to wear a damn cape, and I'm going to be head to toe and burn orange. And if you have a problem with it, 
That's your problem, not mine. Then I'm going to take it up I'm with everything at it. herself. And if you can't get with that, then just watch it from home and be happy in your little bubble. In my opinion, fandom is what makes college football special. It's because most of us attended the school that we're fans of. So we have investments there, you know? Or we've had lifelong affiliations, right? Yeah, well, and, we, and you don't have to have gone to that school either to be there. the biggest fan. Lifelong but affiliations, yeah. Even that aside, like, Megan, the fact that you, like, spend money to travel to these places to root for your team. I go to uh, Oklahoma freaking every other year. I go to Kansas here's two times every other year. About fandom. And this is how I feel as a Texas fan. When visiting teams come to DKR and their fans come, their fans make the effort to book flights to Austin and to come to our house, I genuinely want them to come and have a good time. I really do. I expect them to cheer their asses off for their team, but I want them to have an enjoyable time. This is why I do not understand this animosity towards like another like hot blooded college football fan. Like you should be able to unite over that, over your love for the sport and your love for the team and be able to be like, cheers to you. I love your passion. I don't care if you root for the other team, but we're going to actually break bread over this. This is my mantra, and this is why college football is beautiful. And I don't like the fact that other teams or other fans are BS about that when I, like, all I want you to do is extend the same courtesy to me that I do you. Texas fans need to extend that same courtesy. I'm going to brush some dirt off my shoulders at this point. I've traveled more than most fans have for our team. You mean it's 99.9% of fans, by the way. (laughs) I've gone to these games. I've been to all the big 12 locations. I've gone to the big fun away games. And I'll tell you, I've made some lifelong friends who don't give a shit about Texas, but are passionate about their team through Texas football. And the one thing that unites us all is that we're passionate about the teams that we care about. Right. And like, I'm just going to say, if you are a crazy passionate fan, you should respect the crazy passionate fandom from other fan bases and you don't have to love it but here here's the solution if somebody is cheering in your opinion too loud in your home stadium you know what you get to do you get to be louder or just stop talking and watch the game from home totally 100 percent agree with both of you my only one little caveat is don't you dare turn around and put the horns down in my yeah. face look at the stadium Cheer for your team, turn around and cheer for your team all day long. If you turn around and put your horns down in my face, you might lose your hand. Yes, cheer all day positively for your team. That applies for home team, away team, traveling, watching games at home. Hey, so I do want to close this out. I I think this is a good way to say, and I do want to say we've had a couple of transfers recently, and I just want to put a huge shout out to both the Watsons and the Vaughns. We love y'all. No matter what jersey your kids are wearing, Kated, no matter where you're at, you have fans through and through. Once a Longhorn, always a Longhorn. And if it didn't work out, y'all need to do what's best for your futures. And we support that fully. My fandom has brought me to some incredible people. And I specifically want to call out Janelle and Natalia for being awesome moms, awesome women, 
I, I feel very fortunate for knowing y'all as people and just know that we're going to follow your family and we wish you and your kids all the success, nothing but success. Well said, Megan. Yeah. Yes. I will say again, thank you all for listening to yet another episode of us ranting and raving about Texas football. For now, I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. And I'm Hannah. And we are Fire the Cannon.